0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Today is September the 15th, 2021. We're back to our normal format. Welcome, everyone. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, let me give you a quick synopsis. We're a podcast about media, and that includes movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. My name is Matt. With me, as always, is Mike.
1: I'm Mike. He's Matt. Not quite a normal podcast for this episode. No. Because as we alluded to last week, it is Thought Brigade, Thought Waterfall, (laughs) Thought Explosion.
0: The Thought Police. Wait.
1: Uh, Mm, I don't know about that, but. No. We will (laughs) be invading you with everything that we've been watching, playing, listening to for the past two weeks now. Yeah, two weeks. Yeah. So. For you, Relax. that's a lot of things. Relax. For me,
0: it's, it's one thing. <laughs>
1: Lots of stuff to talk about.
0: <laughs> so strap in, get ready. Let's get right into it. We always start the show with movies, and we're going to do a quick little uh, brief movie um, news for you, which includes some box office and a real brief story. First up in the box office, your number one movie, much to Disney's delight, was Shang-Chi, The Legend of Ten Rings. 94 mil whoa oh okay that was still the numbers from last week but you've quick fixed it 34 million dollars adding to its 144 million domestic total
1: so uh uh i'll just i'll just quickly go here then yeah Uh, yeah, you go ahead your number one film 34 million (laughs) adding to its 144 million dollar total Coming in at number two, much to Disney's delight, is Free Guy with another $5.5 million, and that officially crosses the $100 million mark. Congratulations, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> at three is your new release, Malignant, we will talk about or at least I will talk about that in yes. a minute here, with $5.4 million for its debut. At number four, Candyman, with another $4.7 million, making that $47 million for its total and rounding out your top 5 cuz it won't go away. The Rock with <laughs> Jungle Cruise at 2.3 million. That is $109 million. Yeah. Still over that $100 million mark. Bonafide hit. Maybe yeah. talks are in are being discussed about possible sequel Jungle Cruise 2 Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs>
0: I can confirm I did see one headline that said Disney and talks to do a sequel to Jungle Cruise. So, yes, that is happening. Expect it. Not surprised, uh, considering The Rock is a juggernaut when it comes to box office. Also when it comes um, to muscles. Also when it comes to muscles. Um, so, yeah, no surprises here this week. Shang-Chi still chilling um, at the top here, making already probably record money this year. That's easily going to be your number one movie unless something else takes so takes that away from it. I can't imagine what else would.
1: Um, Dune, maybe. Maybe there's a lot of hype around Dune, but the Dune's Dune, getting the dual release though.
0: Hype. Dune's um, getting the dual release though. So true. Um, if streaming eats into other it,
1: word of mouth coming out. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we'll see. But what won't uh, be number one movie, but in the box office this year is this
1: week's release called Cop Shop. What is Gerard this? Butler is a police cop. Wait, a police cop? Okay, police cop. That's why it's called Cop Shop. It's very redundant. It why is it a shop? Does he own a shop? No, uh, it's like Special <laughs> Forces. Okay. It's an action film. Sure. All right. Gerard yeah, Butler, an action film.
0: Gerard Butler doing his thing. You no know one else. Who else is doing their thing? Always. It's Christopher Nolan.
1: In so our first this story. The, the one mo- movie news that yeah. I, I couldn't get away from. Well, yeah, this is your guy, or at least used to be your guy. (laughs) Hey, I liked Tenet. All right. I didn't love it.
0: Yes. But I liked it. Well, uh, get ready, because we have news about his next project. With his trust in Warner Brothers Frayed from the release of Tenet, several top-level studio heads made the trek to Christopher Nolan's Hollywood Hills Compound for a meeting about acquiring his next project. They were able to see his post-production facility and read his script for his latest film project, centered on J. Robert Oppenheimer and the creation of the atom bomb. While Universal was able to land the deal, it did not come at a cheap price. In addition to total creative control, the production budget needed to be set around $100 million, and an equal amount of marketing is to be spent. By the way, 20% of the first dollar gross goes to Nolan as part of this deal a blackout period from the studio wherein they would not release another movie three weeks before and three weeks after the film's release. Finally, there was a promise of a 100-day theatrical window, which is what he was accustomed to back with Warner Brothers. He now joins M. Night Shyamalan and Jordan Peele has recently acquired directors to the Universal Stable. So Christopher Nolan laying down the law for his next project, done with WB you moving on to Universal. Is this a good deal for Universal? Because it sounds to me that they might be getting
1: the low end of the stick here. So they need to clear out three weeks prior yeah. or three weeks after. Yeah. To me, that puts it at end of July release date. Yeah. Because you secure that 4th of July for your family fun film. So it's already in theaters. It's not considered a new release within those three weeks. That way the Family Fun yeah. film of Minions, Illumination, Trolls whatever, Three, whatever.
0: Uh, Super Mario Brothers, whenever that comes out.
1: Has that summer Fourth of July date and everything after it for three weeks and then you hit tenant at the end of July because then you sink it into August, where Muldrum maybe dead of summer. So it could be the only good thing in theaters by that point.
0: Maybe, and that's probably what they're gonna hope for. Um, because it is, yeah, it is kind of draconian when you look at it that way, where it's like he's really dictating an entire movie studio schedule for about
1: seven weeks of a movie studio schedule,
0: and he's taking 20% of what's he's hoping is probably a hundred dollar, a hundred million dollar plus open. 20%,
1: yeah, but granted, this is a film coming out in 2023, possibly 2024. (laughs) Yeah, who knows. Right. So he has a script, no actors, no casting, just got a studio. So it's like ground floor development we're talking about here. Yeah. Next step picking your actor. And I'm going with Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Or if he wants to go younger, Timothy Chalamet.
0: (laughs) Boring, predictable.
1: Or if Um, you want to go like super action, Dave Batista.
0: Okay. All right. Now I'm on board. I have one last question about this. Is he the last person who can do this? Is Christopher Nolan the last of a breed? You know, the auteur directors that demand a lot because they've proven themselves as moneymakers, like your Spielbergs. Is this the last of its kind? Because I can't imagine, I can't think of anybody younger than this guy who has the clout for something like this.
1: Well, Spielberg's older. You're right. About that.
0: That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like, he's. is he the last of the like, Classic style
1: uh, director dudes like this, but Take, I think, don't think Tarantino would I ever he, do. I see him as priest for weeks though. Well,
0: that, but also I feel like I, in my mind's eye, he precedes Nolan here.
2: Yeah. I don't know
0: about their age relatively, but I'm You're saying like, like chronologically, chronologically and yeah. he's the most recent. Uh, I would have to go
1: with. Alfonso Cuarón, maybe, maybe, but he's more auteur. Yeah, I don't. With like in, in Arrietu, though, more art house, re,
0: la, less less big blockbuster.
1: Right. Um, if you want to go like actual big blockbuster, Dune, Denis Villeneuve.
0: Yeah, he might be, but I don't. I so guess he, he's well, getting well, he close. He has command
1: that kind. He he's also more auteur than blockbuster, even though his auteur's yeah. are directed around blockbusters. Some of the stuff he's been. Since, s- um, Blade Runner
0: yeah some of the stuff he's been saying about Dune though about like how to watch it the wrong ways to watch it though do kind of edge him towards this
1: territory which makes me a little worried about him but hey for now I guess he's okay but we we could see if there's one movie I'm going to watch in IMAX in a theater it's probably going to be Dune
2: or
1: at least the next one I'm going to watch in IMAX right because Christopher Nolan demands IMAX viewing sure he's going to film this whole thing in IMAX if he had the choice Anyway, uh
0: guess we'll see when more news comes out for this thing, but uh, yeah, that just seems really demanding, and I don't know. If I were Universal, I don't know if I would have been clamoring for it, especially after the numbers that Tenet did last year.
1: Well, one studio that was not in the running, and not even in the radar of this, was Disney, but real quickly, they did announce that the rest of their 2021 slate of movies will be theatrical releases and not yeah. on Disney+. Plus. Yeah while that's good it also does give more ammo to um scarlett johansson and her lawsuit right. being the only marvel film to get the disney plus treatment
0: um yeah i don't think disney needs to play around with people like nolan because they already have a money machine that works right they have kevin Feige. so there's no reason for them to take a risk which this is a risk i mean believe it or not like Forget the prior movies in his in his catalog. Like Tenet proved that this guy's still kind of risky.
1: Well, but so did uh, nineteen seventeen. Yeah, because everyone forgets about nineteen seventeen.
0: I, I yes, everybody does forget.
1: <laughs> everyone jumps to Interstellar as being his worst, and then like, wait, you forgot nineteen seventeen existed? <laughs> Which Dun- this is what I feel like it's more like nineteen seventeen as a, uh, oh, no 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 not nineteen seventeen Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Yeah. Right, 1917
0: is uh what's his name? The James Bond guy.
1: Yeah. Um, not Mangold. The other guy. Yeah, the other guy.
0: The director. Why can't we think of his name? (laughs) Whatever. We're not talking about him anyways. Let's move on. We have a bunch of movies to talk about, or more specifically, you have a bunch of movies to talk about. I don't even know where to begin on this
1: list. So uh where are we going to start? We're gonna start at the end. Okay. Uh, And being like the latest. Uh, Sam Mendes. That's right. Sam Sam Mendes is that director.
2: There it is.
1: So we're going to start at the end being like the latest being the stuff that was Oscar nominated last year, but because I was on a plane, I actually had the chance to finally sit down and catch up with these films. And we're going to start with the one you have highlighted right now. uh, (laughs) That is... (laughs) Oscar Award winning performance The Father.
0: Uh Now say I don't remember anything about The Father. What's The Father about?
1: That's funny you say that because The Father also doesn't remember anything about The Father. Because that's what this film is about. Uh, Anthony Hopkins dealing with Alzheimer's. Mm. Or at least the early stages of Alzheimer's. And whether or not what he's seeing is accurate and compounding memories of past events with future events and not essentially knowing where he is in his own life Mm -hmm. so the father based on a play of the play's writer and director also writer and director here and the first half of this movie feels very much like a play is very dialogue heavy is very character driven it is set up in a one Bedroom, not one bedroom apartment, but uh, a one single location apartment, where it all feels like that of a stage play. Not a whole lot of it goes outside of that specific room, Mm -hmm. but when it does, it's nice because it kind of breaks that theat that arts art house theatrical style and into a more cinematic style, if briefly. I think like in total it's maybe 12 minutes outside of the apartment that he's in. Mm. But I can also see why they gave Anthony Hopkins this award. He carries this movie. He is the heart and soul and this is in in short this is an actor's dream role. All scenes are meaty, are chewy, are heavy dialogue and it gives you a chance to perform It gives you a chance to show all your range of an actor and if anyone other than Anthony Hopkins was in this role might not have done as well like award season wise Mm -hmm. but because he seems to bring such gravitas to everything that he does it was a perfect choice and probably the only thing that actually could have been trying to go from actually winning the Oscar. Yeah, Not something you can actually go out and rush and see. Yeah, as it is, it's available is very scarce right now,
2: mm.
1: uh, even on streaming services. So if you have the chance to watch it on, say, a six-hour flight,
0: well, <laughs> on a plane. Oh, it's plane special. I see
1: here. Yes, it would be worth your time to watch it. Very family-driven, very heavily actor-driven. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. But there also is like that sense of mystery like oh wait mm-hmm. when are you just talking about this or this like trying to also figure out where you're at while watching it i think it works better as a play okay honestly than it does a movie
0: so i guess the the, the question i have about this then is that is its legacy just going to be the upset
1: it's just gonna the be Oscar the upset, upset?
0: Yeah. do you think the movie is good enough though to convince some people that maybe it wasn't such an upset after all
1: it will convince you that it wasn't an upset. However, not a whole lot of people are going to go out and seek it. Yeah. Especially because the direction on it mm-hmm. is, like I said, is more of a stage play right. than it is of a film.
0: But it's the, the kind of movie in it yeah. does come out. It sounds like the kind of movie that you know going into it, whether it's going to be
1: your kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah. So, fair enough. Uh, the other film I caught up on. Was last year's uh, first ever international award winner, as the category had changed from foreign film. Yes, Minari. Right. So this was technically U.S.-based international film Mm -hmm. because the characters and all the dialogue is done in Korea, even though the actual setting is in Kansas. So going in, I had known. I just know that it won the award. About a Korean family. And I think the uh, grandma won Best Supporting Actor.
2: Yes,
0: best, best Supporting yeah. Actress. Because um, her speech was adorable. Yes. yes.
1: So going off the award season, and that was six months ago at this point, all I knew going in Minari is a nice film.
2: Okay.
1: But I wouldn't <laughs> say upper echelon Oscar worthy.
2: All
1: right. It's a nice film. It's a story about a family struggle, about picking up and starting over, about living off the land, starting a farm, making something of yourself of your, with your hands, trying to better yourself and better your family and better your circumstances while also trying to hold on to traditional Korean um, traditions conflicting with ever-growing American values. It's part coming of age and part family struggles, as it deals with both sides of the family, the young kids, as well as the adult parents. And then you bring in the grandparent as well to throw in even more drama into this mixture. It's a nice film. Uh not the best foreign film I've seen in a while, especially compared to Parasite. Yeah. <laughs> and even that of Roma, which I think are done absolutely a lot better, especially cinematography-wise. It's just a nice film. It's I don't want to say it's okay because it's better than okay. <laughs> but it doesn't reach that yeah. you have to go watch this. It's like Parasite, yeah. you gotta watch this screw your foreign language like barrier it's perfect go watch it
0: so it well made like,
1: that for me so well made but
0: not necessary not like absolutely must see necessary
1: again if you're on a plane and you're at all curious <laughs> about this i don't want to say like you're strapped in and you can't go anywhere <laughs> you, you can't, can't escape watch this <laughs> it's just a nice film to watch.
2: okay
0: but let's catch up to twenty twenty one.
1: All right. Here. Let's start with twenty twenty one, and we'll start with my dad's favorite movie, or at least the da- the film my dad's been oh, to watch. Dad review. Dad review, which we talked about earlier. Uh, Wrath of Man. <laughs> so it sounds like we're going to with see <laughs> Wrath of Man. Uh-huh. Oh, so much action. So much revenge. It is revenge porn to the absolute max. Uh, Don't, mm, that's not a term. I don't think that term means what you think it means. It probably doesn't mean what I think it means. (laughs) Maybe rewind the tape and maybe use something else there. It's revenge action, just up up the wazoo. (laughs) Might not be a better term, but. Anyway, anyways, Jason Statham uh, joins a police—not a police force, not a police escort—unlike <laughs> Cop Shop, which we talked yes. about. Yes, unlike uh, Cop Shop, no, he joins a security firm in charge of bringing in uh, money from banks and um, retail stores. You know, think Baby Driver. Okay, but like from the reverse view. A big sure. driver. Yes. So his son, spoilers, was killed. And he purposely joins this uh, firm in order to help track down who killed his son. Basically, because he assumes it's an inside job, mm-hmm. but also because he assumes that they're just going to hit the same target again. <laughs> so. He's just like, it's like male fantasy, trigger, happy, murder, rampage, revenge, sweet, sweet, bloody revenge, the movie. Okay. Maybe it's your, it's up your alley. Maybe that's what you want. Maybe you just want something where you can like turn your brain off and just watch action because you want testosterone, action in your face. Mm-hmm. And Fast and the Furious wasn't out yet at the
0: time. <laughs> and you haven't watched that Mary Elizabeth Winstead kicks ass movie on Netflix yet. Oh, Katie? Kate, yeah. That's out now, by the way. I didn't, like, we almost watched it. I almost had it in
1: the chamber for this week,
0: but next week.
1: I almost had it too, but uh, instead we watched a movie, uh, something on Hulu, which I'll be talking about yes,
0: later. Yes, we'll talk about that later.
1: But... Uh, but yeah, Wrath of Man, I can see why my dad likes it. It's definitely <laughs> reminiscent of Stallone, Schwarzenegger, macho, gun-heavy, mm. 80s action. All of reminded me a bit of Heat because sure. there is a bit of a heist element to it. But it's it, very reminiscent of that. Is it a Michael Mann joint? Is this? Is it? No, I thought Wrath of Man.
2: Uh, because I know he had
1: a movie recently. I don't think it was Michael Mann. You're,
0: you're probably that makes right.
1: Sense. No, it's Guy Ritchie.
0: That's that makes sense. That makes sense. This is Guy Guy Ritchie written all over it.
1: yeah makes sense. So yeah. Okay. Very action heavy.
0: Right man. you get what you get. You get what you think you're getting is what you it get sounds what you think like.
1: You're getting Jason Satham being actiony.
0: Yep, makes sense. All
1: right. What
2: else do you got?
1: So we're going from. Probably the loudest film on this list to the quietest film on this list. Maybe? Question mark. Because uh, A Quiet Place Part Two, I also watched. Like yeah. Said. Six hours both ways. I got lots of time on my hands.
0: I feel like we've been talking about this movie for half of the year.
1: Uh, technically, <laughs> we were talking about this movie last year.
2: Yeah.
1: As it had a like the preview right. in theaters for a week before everything shut down. So this was twenty technically 2020 film.
0: But, but that's the wide release this year. Yeah, season? since we count only wide releases here in the Media Boat Podcast, it is a 2021 film.
1: Correct. Yes. So Quiet Place Part 2 takes place right where a quiet place, you know to call it part one. Yeah. Ended. <laughs> With uh, Emily Blunt and family in tow escaping their compound to find more people to cross, to go where they have yet to go before. But armed with new technology of how to defeat random aliens. Sure. And I struggled with this film, whether it was necessary (laughs) to be told or not. Uh Part of me says, Oh, it's nice to revisit this world again. But as you're watching it, they don't do a whole lot. A lot happens to them, but they're always reacting. They're never proactive in anything. The one thing they are proactive in is tr- trying to decipher a message, trying not to spoil, but then mm-hmm. again, it's a Quiet Place Part Two. Sure. Um, They're trying to decipher a message that may or may not be a hidden message of where people are. So that's the only proactive thing in here is we're going to try to follow the message. Everything Mm -hmm. else in this film, everyone is reacting to things happening to them, reacting to the monsters around them, reacting to sudden noises like, oh no, now they know where we are. Very reactive, but also a lot more talking than the first film. I feel hmm. like. Uh, there's a lot more dialogue-heavy scenes, which I guess you can slightly get away with because you're out of your quiet place. <laughs> it's fine. I don't know if it's a million dollars fine, though, because that's where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would not expect a part three of this. I'm not sure where else you could go with this, except could probably do a new family or like a new setting, kind of like what Purge does. Mm-hmm. I think this just might be the end of it. Just a Quiet Place Part Two just kind of whimpers out.
2: Yeah, that's the
0: vibe I've been getting too. Because like, like I said, we have been talking about this movie for a while and feedback about this movie for a long time, and it seems like the overall consensus is:
1: Did they need to do this? And does anybody care? It's not even. That much of a satisfying ending, yeah. Well, yeah, so much for a quiet place, all right. So much, all right. (laughs) So, last film that I saw on the plane here, yeah, the film I really want to talk about, especially you, okay. Uh, so I texted you to try and watch this film.
0: They do not have time. I only
1: realized like last night that it was available on Hulu. (laughs) So if you have Hulu, it's available for you to stream right now. It's called Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. And Mm -hmm. yes, it's supposed to arrive. Right. This is a comedy brought to you by not Gary Sanchez, but rather the sister company Gloria Sanchez. (laughs) Uh, and it stars Kristen Wig and Anna whatever her name is. Uh basically the same writing team behind Bridesmaids. Mm-hmm. So it's gotta be funny, right? You'd think. Well, you'd think. That was my intention going into it, like, oh, it's the bridesmaid people. Mm-hmm. I read I like, I read something about this. It's supposed to be funny. Oh, it's by Gary Santos. Comedy. You associate them with comedy; it's going to be great. And then you start watching it, and then you start questioning it. But then you got to keep watching it because the more you watch it, the funnier it gets. <laughs> it's almost irreverent comedy in the same vein of Hot Rod, okay, and kind of like Pop Star, where right. you. You start not caring about where it's going, and you're just having fun being with the characters. Yeah, the characters uh, Barb and Star make this film. Kristen Wiig is hilarious in this. Um, it's a care. It's they're they're Midwesterners who go to uh, Del Mar on vacation and end up in shenanigans. <laughs> Short to say, <laughs> and it's just. Hilarity, visual gags, comedy gags, callbacks, um, dialogue gags where they don't know what they're doing. It's hilarity. It's crazy. It's quotable. It's near perfect comedy, almost in the same vein as last year's Palm Springs where I just want to tell everybody about this film and make sure that they watch this film. Mm -hmm. It's got that same kind of vibe where if you're looking for a comedy, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar is the comedy you should be watching right now. It's that good. And I don't find comedies all that funny, especially when they're trying to be funny. But this is hilarity on another level. Yeah, This is women female comedy turned up to 11 this is Kristen wig comedy at her best this is a perfect comedy delight and i wow. urge everyone listen put that on the movie poster it. put my <laughs> name on the it's a comedy yeah. delight it's a comedy delight
0: <laughs> no yeah no it's been on my radar for a while because i remember when it first uh was in limited release i remember hearing a lot of really effusive praise and so it's like it's been on my list but yeah i didn't know it was on hulu until recently uh i actually had found out briefly before you had sent me that text today so i knew it was available to me but i just haven't been able to carve out two hours to watch a movie lately so yeah but maybe um let's put it this way i'm gonna have a lot more free time starting in october uh have a lot more control of the when I can enjoy media. So I'm going to be watching and enjoying a lot more stuff than I have <laughs> so far.
1: It's probably a good date night too, Phil. Yeah, i yeah, actually it's a good date night. Film. I'm trying to get uh, my doctor to watch it as well. Because <laughs> um, like I said, I watched it on a plane, so it's just me like giggling to myself as I'm watching it. <laughs> but when I was done, I was like, you need to watch this. It's basically you and your mom they watch this. <laughs> oh that sounds great yeah no i'm very excited to see it so i will report back once i have done so yes uh yeah barb and star go to vista del mar on hulu please urge everybody to watch it Mm -hmm. it's hilarious cool cool all right.
0: What else do we got? Is that it for the movies? Uh, I got two left. Did you watch any movies or you're to
1: just No, I,
0: I haven't watched any movies. It's just you.
1: All right. Well, let's take a break here. Okay. Cuz these last movies came out within the past 2 weeks. Oh. Just kind of like shake off those like airplane vibes that I got and kind of back to reality cuz here we are now September 2021, and two films that came out this past these past two weeks, also on our top box office here. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings and Malignant. Mm-hmm. Let's start with Shang-Chi, since that's the one that came out later, and also the one I saw first uh, of these two. Marvel's latest project has been revealed and their newest superhero has been unleashed. Shang-Chi and the the Legend of the Ten Rings. Hmm. It's a Marvel ass Marvel (laughs) film.
0: But then again, what were you really expecting out of it?
1: I mean, it has all your token Marvel tropes of family secrets of the protagonist and antagonist having the same powers of uh, mystic ob, mystic goober object <laughs> falconry, of uh, hidden maps that you have to find. It's uh, lore structure, lore dumps, family oh. values. Oh. Much of what people liked about Black Panther, mm-hmm. you'll find in this Ooh. film. All right. Okay. I'm listening. Much of what people liked in Ant Man, you'll find in this film. I'm not just saying Ant Man because it's also like set in San Francisco, (laughs) but because it has that same like underlining family value structure and family integrity within it. It's a fun film. I wouldn't put it necessarily in my top 10. Mm-hmm. Possibly eleven, possibly ten, maybe I mean we are getting to like twenty five films now,, Yeah. so it's up there, doesn't break my top five though, but definitely a fun time at the movies um but, yes, I did see this in a film in a theater,
2: uh-huh,
1: but I also saw it at like Monday afternoon when there was like <laughs> me and two other couples in the theater. <laughs> So wasn't like too worried about like getting anything.
0: Sure. Yeah, you're distance enough.
1: Yeah. It was like everyone had their own row to each other.
2: <laughs>
1: uh so fun time at the film.
2: Fun at time the at the theaters.
1: A very nice welcome back movie to especially to watch in a theater. Okay. I do think it deserves that theater experience. Mm-hmm. Trying to like digest between the way I saw this and the way I saw Black Widow.
2: Right.
1: I think Shang-Chi does, I don't say deserves the theater more, but it is a bit more of a spectacle than Black Widow was. Sure. It's a fun time. It's a good movie. I suggest you go see it. Um, Does it have further MCU implications? Maybe. Maybe. It does kind maybe? of hint at that, but it's also kind of leaves the door open of, well, maybe we'll just throw a one liner somewhere else and that'll just be its payoff. That being said, there are one liners thrown in previous films that do pay off in this film. Okay. Especially pointing back to that of Iron Man 3, where they introduced the Mandarin lots of talk about that especially because that was also around surrounding the ten rings and this is more or less that direct follow-up of payoff of hey the ten rings
0: so i have a question
1: answer that that
0: brings up um you know how a lot of people were like oh thor ragnarok is like the mcu looking back at thor 2 and being like hey wasn't that also kind of a bad movie guys is this looking back at Iron Man 3 and being like wasn't that kind of a weird
1: movie guys? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean essentially it doesn't change Tony's projection at all. Sure. It nullifies Pepper Potts from having superpowers to being go back to being a secretary.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: We all forgot about that, didn't we?
0: How disappointing. But yes.
1: Yeah. But yeah, this is uh, Marvel basically apologizing for (laughs) that film. And saying, oh no, like the real Ten Rings, we actually have plans for. Yeah. And they kind of more or less hinted that in this film that that organization will have a bigger impact going forward.
2: Okay.
1: Of course, they're going to have to, should they make a Shang-Chi 2, which I assume they're going to at this point. Look at those box office
0: numbers. Yeah. The the fact that it's almost 150. a million in a pandemic, yes, I would say that that's worth it for them to do that.
1: <laughs> All right. Also, not to mention whatever it's doing internationally right now. World right. Behind. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I want to say, safe to say, they got a good here on their hand. Oh, and uh, Simu Liu, uh, the lead actor, hilarious in this great action, great cinematography. I think that's one thing that people aren't talking about enough is the fight choreography in this giant cookie. I mean, film. the, The choreography is very delicious. It hits you, it punches you right in the mouth and you're able to follow the action very similar to like the Jackie Chan stunts of the 90s and early 2000s.
0: I was trying to do that as stealthily
1: as I could. It, it, it worked. Because <laughs> there are a lot of ninjas in this film. So, yeah, so. right up there with stealth.
2: Mm.
0: Sorry, I had Panera before the podcast.
1: Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Uh, Shang-Chi, a very good Marvel film. Uh, Marvel's getting, what? Like, as we said, Marvel just gets better at this with each movie. They've taken what they know. They've had tw- f- 10 years, 15 years experience. Oh, yeah, they've them. had a while. They know what they're doing. Yeah, you you would hope at this point. They know what makes the audience laugh. They know when to hit the right punches. They know when to pull punches. They know when to throw in a gag. They know how to keep pace and they also know when to make callbacks because at this point 15 years into it, you've got, you have to, have to, have to be able to make callbacks and tie-ins to other properties Right. so it doesn't feel like it's a one up And I think that's the one thing that Black Widow missed yeah, that it yeah. didn't have a whole lot of callbacks to previous well, Marvel movies. It did, but it didn't. But I see what
0: you mean. It's not necessarily enough just to have a re- reference to previous events. It has to matter. And that's yeah. the thing that we talked about when we talked about Black Widow is it didn't feel like it mattered because so much of what, like the secret sauce of why the Marvel movies work is always leading you to the next thing. And this did not do that. But it sounds like Shang-Chi is successful with this. And it's like, no, we're going to pick up the ball and actually travel a little bit. Actually give you the forward momentum that you look for in in the movies.
1: Minor spoiler, Mm -hmm. but the ending of Black Widow could very easily tie into the ending of this film. Which I mentioned to Doctor when I said that. And she's like, oh yeah. yeah that would make so much sense mm-hmm. i'm like yeah let's see if they do that <laughs> so we'll see if that mm-hmm. pays off in the next eh, five years give or take. yeah we <laughs> got a while
0: <laughs> these things
1: cook for a little bit yeah but yeah good film uh good marvel film cool i'd say worth a theater visit when you do get the chance all right Sounds like uh, plan. I to say, like, well, it's past now, but like, rush out, go see it, well, yeah, first showings. But now that's kind of cooled down, you should be able to find some relatively good seating, and mm-hmm. it'll help keep this film top three for the next couple of weeks easily. Okay, but as for the last movie you need to talk about, oh, what is this movie even? <laughs> so the director of Aquaman. And it brings you another one of his horror Hold films. On. And I'll keep <laughs> referring to this as the director of Aquaman. As James Wan. Yes. Even though he's from Insidious. Mm-hmm. Recently did Aquaman. So I'm just going to keep referring it to him as the guy who did <laughs> Aquaman. Yeah. The guy who did Aquaman. Yeah. Like when uh, Bradley Cooper voiced Rocket Raccoon. I just kept referring to him as the guy who voices Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> you know, he's done other stuff. Yeah, Silver Lining Playbooks, Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Yep. So yeah, Um, James Wan returns to his horror roots for malignant. Now, the term malignant, Mm -hmm. what kind of, what comes to mind when you hear something like that?
0: Something gross and infected and just festering, and then you need to like bring attention to it, or else it'll get worse and worse.
1: That's basically what this movie is. (laughs) (laughs) Boom! Got him! (laughs) So, the first half of this movie, I'm trying to figure out what kind of movie it is. Is it exorcism? Is it demon? Is it alien? Is it foreign? (laughs) Is it science experiment? Is it supernatural? What is the malignant boogeyman Mm -hmm. of this horror film? What are the rules that it's playing by? And it does a really good job of keeping you in the dark until the the last act, where it gives you the reveal and then rushes you to the climax. It does a real good job of keeping you on your toes, of trying to figure out where where things are coming from, how people are connected. It's a really well-made horror film. Now, everything that I just said that's good about it mm-hmm. could very easily put someone off and be like, <laughs> what's going on here? I'm very lost. I'm very confused. I don't want to watch this anymore, like 15 minutes in. Mm-hmm. James Wan's a good director. He seals sure. from the best. Sure. He also creates <laughs> from the best. <laughs> yeah. And I can see a lot of his influence in here from other horror films. Um, like the opening is kind of straight out of Jurassic Park, even. Because <laughs> that opening ten minutes is indeed a horror film. Yeah, yeah. That's why that movie is? Yeah, from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's a good horror film, but it can easily be one of the most confusing horror films you've probably ever seen. <laughs> and it's not until like the very end where you're trying to like make logical leaps of, sure that makes sense. And, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) To, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Your mileage will definitely vary on Malignant, depending on how into horror you are. But outside of it being just a horror genre, just being a film, Mm. well-directed, good cinematography, thumbs up on all that. I just don't know if the story is enough to keep people... I don't say invested. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: like the payoff's pretty good. You just got to get there at the end of like almost an hour, like almost 100 minutes into it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Hour 40 into it. So yeah, mileage may vary. Malignant. Catch it on HBO Max. Definitely go, go see it in the theaters. Catch <laughs> it. But it's there. Fair enough. All right. With that, I think
0: we can finally move on out of thoughts and into the television section.
1: Uh, yeah, I did not watch anything else movie related. Yeah.
2: Right.
1: Like I said, I'll try to watch Barb and Star this week.
0: I will also try to watch um, Kate. Kate. Hopefully talk about that next week as well.
1: I'll try and watch that. I've heard good things about that.
0: Yeah, so... That's next week. First, we have all the rest of the show to do. Let's go into television. And of course, we always start the television section with the Sports Corner. This week in the Sports Corner, Emma Raducanu, age 18, beat Leila Fernandez, age 19, to win the Women's U.S. Open.
1: That is in tennis. And yes, it was indeed a high school match. Sounds like it. Uh, But Emma Raducanu is Canadian-born, Britain, British. Well, she lives in Britain now. Mm -hmm. So, British won the U.S. Open, (laughs) women's. Also, she got in on a uh, what's it called, a play-in option. Okay, you normally have to be invited to the U.S. So Perseus Open is that anyone can win it. It's an open. Open invitation. Right. Open. You just have to like win preceding brackets to get in there. Kind of like the same thing in U.S. Open of golf. Anyone can sign up and play. You're just usually not going to beat the pros. Hmm. Except here where <laughs> Emma rowdy beat the pros and eventually beat uh, Layla Fernandez yeah. for that title. Wow, so but I believe she beat uh Osaka on her way up here in the quarterfinals. Okay. So yeah, no slouch. Yeah. Um also right after this, like she stayed in New York another like three days and went to the Met Gala. She
0: Yay.
1: If you saw those, saw those cool. photos floating
0: around. Oh, oh yeah. Um uh, we don't have our Met Gala correspondent Christy uh here to talk about it, but if she was She'd probably talk your uh, off about all of the peop- all of the best outfits and everything,
1: like old Three PO.
0: Exactly. All right, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about sports. So, congrats, Emma. Meanwhile, on the men's side, Dan Daniel Daniel Medvedev defeated Novak Djokovic to win the men's U.S. Open. That was. Some acrobatics of my tongue right there.
1: Yes. Um, this does mean Ooh. that uh, Djokovic will not win the calendar grand slam. Right. But also, Mevdadev is the, you could say, call younger version of Djokovic, as he's the one who won the gold medal during the. Uh, right. Olympics.
2: Right. Right. Well,
0: congrats. Next up. I saw Media Boat favorite Mark Sanchez talking about this on Twitter. Yeah, he did. USC has fired their head coach, Clay Helton, after a 42-28 to 28 loss to Stanford.
1: Uh, this is just a note because the first open head coaching job available in the NCAA. Mm-hmm. I expect more to come as the season goes, but we're also only three weeks into the season. Mm-hmm. And USC has already fired their All head coach, ready. despite him having a winning record the past <laughs> two years.
0: Yeah. Questionable, I think. Questionable.
1: Uh apparently like some of the staff and like boosters didn't like him as a head coach. So it's more of an internal struggle than say performance struggle. Right. But when you lose to your rival Stanford, it kind of gives you credence to just Yeah. Oops. Sorry, you lost to them. I'm you know the straw
0: that broke the camel's back kind
1: of thing. Uh, at least they didn't yeah. do him dirty like lane kiffin (laughs) and leave him on the tarmac in arizona
2: yeah (laughs) that that will
1: never not be funny
0: (laughs) what's not so funny is our next story here which is the continued home run watch 2021 here on media boat podcast we've reported for weeks that uh hometown hero shohei otani had the home run uh record for the season no longer the case as of this recording Vlad Guerrero Jr. has overtaken Shohei as the new home run leader with 45 compared to Shohei's 44.
1: Um, yep. And then there's uh, someone on the Royals right behind him with 43. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a matter of time. Uh, to see who race in the top three home run leaders? Yeah,
0: matter of about 20 games or so left. Uh, just so happens that's their next story with about 20 or so games left in the MLB. So far the San Francisco Giants and the LA Dodgers have uh, are your clinching teams with playoff spots. We still have some wild card spots to be decided. So
1: keep your eyes peeled. Well, here's the thing. They're both in the same division, mm-hmm. which means one of them is going to win the they're only about like four games separating them with 20 games right. left. One of them is going to win the division. Whoever doesn't win the division is going to automatically win the wild card.
0: Right. So so, we're gonna see more of the Dodgers, is basically what we're saying here. <laughs> kind of yes, no matter this what. This
1: also means that we won't see any more of Tatis right. and the San Diego Padres. It means the Padres in that division.
0: Padres could not dig out of a downturn in the second half of the season. Couldn't make it, but hey, they did their best. And maybe, hey, 2023,
1: 2022, hey, who knows? Sorry, show Madden, Madden cover. The show yeah, cover. The show uh, cover. Eight, it's not a curse. It's not a curse. It's not a curse. Anyway, we swear. It's not a
0: curse. It's not a curse. We <laughs> swear. Meanwhile, in the NFL, opening week happened last weekend. There is officially football season amongst us. And guess what? That means the classic media vote line of week one half of the NFL is undefeated. <laughs> you do this every year. I, I love to it. expect it's it true. now. It's true. So, your team, hey, be happy if they're undefeated. Or alternatively, be upset that they've lost every game they (laughs) play.
1: Also, in fantasy football, you're either half half your league is won, half your league is lost. So, enjoy it while it lasts because it's not going to last very long. Oh, no, it won't. (laughs) Um, Real briefly, though, um, the Ravens practice field is apparently cursed. If you haven't seen this, (laughs) <laughs> as three running backs are out for the year with ACL tears. E. And even more recently in San Francisco, my last year's fantasy, fantasy bell cow, most start, as I was saying, you must start most start. Yes. Apparently you can't start most start as he also <laughs> has a season entering ACL tear.
0: Oh, most start. Can't start.
1: Most start. Can't start. <laughs>
0: oh, wow. Well. Well, we'll have more NFL updates as the season continues. I'm sure we'll have more stories from the world of fantasy. We might even talk about more football stuff later in this podcast,
1: so stick around for that. Possibly. Uh, possibly. But also, that Monday night game, if you didn't watch it, craziest ending ever, as the Ravens lost twice. (laughs) What? Oh yeah, they lost twice. So how how did that, how does that work? Um... Big play by the so Raiders versus Ravens. Hmm. Big play by Derek Carr and the Raiders to where, to for receiving touchdown. Only for everyone to be like saying high five, congratulations, hmm. running off the field for them to call everyone back because he was down at the one yard line. Review oh. shows his knee Damn. The, the ball crossed, and then they hit two plays, couldn't punch it in, and Carr threw an interception on the third play. So, Ravens had to go right back out there <laughs> to try and win the game. Do it again. Only for them to fumble the ball and for the Raiders <laughs> to win. So, they had to <sighs> say congratulations twice to the Raiders.
0: Football. Football. Why? Well, I have a similar story uh, to tell in the video game section. So, just hold on. with football. The end of football games being weird thing. We'll circle back to it. Lastly in sports here, we have one little update in the NASCAR world. You've heard of Roval's. But this may beat the Roval in terms of weird-ass things they're doing with NASCAR races. Say hello to a race inside the LA Memorial Coliseum.
1: But wait, you're probably saying, doesn't the Coliseum only like 100 yards across? Yeah, it doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't really work. So... It's a quarter-mile track inside Uh the Coliseum. Uh Uh-huh. I already have tickets to go (laughs) to said race. Because you need to know. (laughs) You just need to see it yourself. Apparently, like, minutes after it was announced, I got a text saying, (laughs) we're going. I got (laughs) you a ticket. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're going. Uh, This is the opening, quote-unquote, opening of NASCAR. It's called The Clash. Um, Typically, they do this at Daytona Mm -hmm. um, as part of, like, the opening of NASCAR. But for some reason or another, it's going to be at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum next year, February 6th, the week before the Super Bowl. And the Mm. same week as the Pro Bowl.
2: Okay.
1: I don't know why. Someone had a crazy idea that said that they could make this happen. (laughs) And someone else said, yes, do it. (laughs) (laughs) And somebody else said, yes. So it happened. So, yeah. NASCAR at the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. Yes, Yes. that's right. Where USC plays their games. Yes, that's right. Where L.A. Rams played the games for the last five years. Yes, that's right. The home of the 1984 LA Olympics (laughs) will host NASCAR. Sure. You know what? Weirder things have happened, and I'm
0: sure you'll tell us all about it come next February.
1: Uh, Why am I going to this? I
0: don't know. I don't know. It's a mystery. I mean, it sounds hilarious
1: and fun, but also, why is this a thing? Speaking of,
0: why is this a thing? That's it for sports, unless you have anything else to add. Oh, I
1: probably do, but not enough for this podcast.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, we got to keep rolling here. Let's roll right out of um, sports news and into television news proper. Just a quick little update for you, because guess what? It's Emmys weekend. This This coming Sunday will be the primetime Emmys. The primetime winners will receive their Emmys on Sunday, but the creative arts were awarded last week and could provide an inside look into who will come out on top. Netflix's The Queen's Gambit and Bridgerton edged out Disney's The Mandalorian and WandaVision to take the lead in statue count. The Queen's Gambit took home nine awards, including casting, cinematography, and period makeup, with The Mandalorian winning five, including stunt coordination, cinematography, and prosthetic makeup. WandaVision had its first Emmy for production design, made sense, and Hamilton won for technical direction. Individually, Bo Burnham won for music direction and writing for his special Inside. So there you go. Some creative arts uh, information going into the Emmys proper. Unfortunately, we have such a packed show today, we can't do our traditional Emmy predictions. Um, But real quick, I think this is Ted Lasso's year for comedy. I think it will be an upset if it loses. Ted Lasso did win for cast, or best casting. So that would make some sense, mm-hmm. and then I honestly think drama is like is, drama is a big gamble this year. I have no idea where it goes. It could, could go, it could go in all sorts of diver- directions. I think you can see Mandalorian here. I think you could see Queen's Gambit here. The Queen—it's hey,
1: going to the Crown. What are you
0: talking about? Uh, yeah, the the Crown might win again after the big weird win last year that came out of nowhere. Yep. Who can say? It's going to be a weird Emmys. I think it's kind of an in-between years with the pandemic uh, kind of fudging the schedule around uh, when things came out last year. And so, yeah, it's going to be a real weird one.
1: But uh, we'll have more to talk about that next week after it happens. Yep, we'll be back next week for big Emmy blowout. Um, All your wins, all your losses, all your best in weirdest dress
0: <laughs> perhaps 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 all right that's it for television news so let's move right into thoughts again just like movies you watched a bunch of television yeah. so you
1: get to talk about it i <laughs> was lucky enough to get access to discovery plus aha uh-huh. and on it were two shows that well while both being food shows completely different okay first is the reason i watched it but also the reason i was there in in hawaii (laughs) partially why i was there guy hawaiian style i
0: really like how this is stylized that it's guy exclamation point hawaiian style
1: that's the way it's stylized in uh when you like scroll through it that's great now did you see guy in hawaii No, but we definitely went (laughs) to all these restaurants and recommendations to go through it. Fair enough. So so in fact, that after we watched the Maui episode, Mm -hmm. like, hey, we were right there. (laughs) We went back to that same place just to try it. Yeah, did not disappoint. All right, all right. um, So this is what you think it is. It is exactly what you think it is. And I want to give you an even like weirder example of what, what you think it is. Okay, Adam Sandler. What? You know how he doesn't really make movies anymore and rather goes on vacation and makes <laughs> movies while he's there? Sure, yes. That's what this is, but with Guy. All right, Guy Fieri. He's earned it. He takes his family and more or less the production crew of his Guy's Grocery Game Science Drives and Guy's crew on a Hawaiian vacation and hey, while he's there might as well shoot something just so uh, someone else can pay for their lodging. <laughs> and that's more or less what this is. Um, he It's not all food. He does explore the Hawaiian islands of Maui and the big island of Hawaii. And it is food-driven, but also it's more exploration of Hawaiian culture, mm-hmm. of different activities in Hawaii. Like he does scuba diving, he gets a tattoo. A luau, a lay making ceremony. It's a guy gets laid. Are you saying that guy gets laid in this? Oh, him and his wife definitely get laid in this. Cool, cool. So it's more or less Guy Fieri on vacation with like the culture and kind Mm. of travel more or less of what to do in Hawaii. Okay. Like I said, it mainly covers two islands of Hawaii and Maui. It doesn't quite go to any of the other islands. Um, if it did or if it does or if it will, I don't know. It's really short. It's only like four episodes. <laughs> At least that's yeah. all I saw of it. <laughs> but it did seem like it was like the end of it. So if there's a season two, maybe he'll go to the other islands. Perhaps. Maybe it'll be guy like uh Tokyo style or something. (laughs) Guy Mediterranean style. Guy German style. But yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. Guy Fieri doing a travel show, more or less. Sure. I want to say it's kind of like his Anthony Bourdain. But not as. But it's it's more family oriented. Sure. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Cool. And then the other Discovery Plus show.
1: Um, I'm not sure if this is Discovery Plus exclusive. Okay. Because I think I saw a commercial for it on Food Network. Okay. But then again, I didn't quite watch it on Food Network or watch it on Discovery Plus. So, there's two favorite things that I love about Hell's Kitchen. One of them is when they do Taste It, Now Make It. Yes. I love it when they do Taste It, Now Make It. not what this is this is the other version of it okay the other version that i love that hell's kitchen always does is the blind taste test yeah and that's what money hungry is (laughs) they blindfold people they give them random food and they have to use their palate to figure out what kind of food it is Mm -hmm. so it's exactly like that blind taste test someone Mm -hmm. watches it hey I bet I could make a game show out of that. <laughs> and I bet I could get Kabar to host that. And that's what they did. <laughs> they got Cal Penn sure. to host Money Hungry. All right. In case you're wondering what his post-Obama um, office yeah. job is now, <laughs> it's host of Money Hungry. Sure. Uh, but it's simple. They, they blindfold them or they give them like, Curated um teas, and you have to like figure out which tea is which, or like figure out which drink is which, or blindfold you and figure out what it is your food you're eating. It's simple in nature. Almost too simple, I would say. Not a whole lot of big production value around this,
2: mm.
1: a lot of the quote unquote money going to this. Is definitely going into the food and trying to get like the exotic foods and imported foods and like the expert chefs to cook this. All of it's done behind the scenes, below the line. Above the line production, like what you visually see, it's fairly simple. Hmm. I'd give it a season, <laughs> but then again, yeah. it might be that cheap to make that they may just keep going with this. Maybe, although if they do. Yeah, I mean it's a ten thousand dollar cash price if you make it all the way to the end. So mm. it's not that big. Mm. Yeah. There's only like what, I think twelve rounds you have to go through. Like nine or twelve. So it's not a long process either. It's very short, it's very simple. It's money hungry.
0: All right. Money hungry. Yep. What else do we got?
1: Uh sticking with my Hawaiian. Vacation. There's a new show on Disney Plus, also set in Hawaii. Yes. Doogie Kamea Aloha MD. Yes. And if that name sounds familiar, it's because it's exactly what you think it is. Mm-hmm. That old show starring Neil Patrick Harris, Doogie Hauser. That's what this is, except yeah. it's a girl. She's 16. And set in Hawaii.
0: Yeah, my understanding is this is being treated as a spiritual reboot, where it's not necessarily an exact reboot, because,
1: weirdly enough, the television show exists in the universe of this? Yes, that's why they call her Doogie. Right. Because they're referencing that show in this show. Right. So it's an interesting take. Uh, Does it work? It works, but not in the sense of it being a medical drama. It works in the sense of it being a Disney Plus show. Disney Plus show. Growing up, family. I'm 16. I want to have my own life. Right. Not in the sense of good doctor. Yes. Yeah. I I am here to perform surgeries and be very medical experts.
0: Right. Because, yeah, I realize that they're different shows. Thematically, but on a base level, it's hard not to compare him because the good doctor owes so much to its existence to Doogie Hauser.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so, it's actually Korean-based.
0: But you know what I mean. Like yes. there's no way you can have a conversation without mentioning that there has already been a show about a young, precocious doctor. Right.
1: So I mean, I guess it does help add to the drama aspect that the director of the hospital is also her mom, mm. which may or may not be the reason why she got the job, but also may or not be the reason <laughs> why there's added drama because you can't mm-hmm. separate mom and boss and boss and mom. Right.
0: yes. and as a child that could potentially complicate things if you're having familial like familial arguments with your superior.
1: <laughs> and as a story structure, it adds easy mm-hmm. conflict of right. where do you draw the line? Right, so this is a weekly episode, um okay. like I said, I don't foresee a whole lot of actual medical emergencies, yeah thrown into here,
0: probably mostly the family stuff
1: it's a, at least the first episode is a lot more heavy family. It does come out every Wednesday, so we'll get okay. to see i'll I'll report day of when it ends, right, but it does have the same kind of charm as diary of future president, same kind of. Light fixture setup production value, except it's Doctors and it's Hawaii. Great. Right. So, yeah, if you like Hawaii, it's a lot of shots of Hawaii. <laughs> uh, if you like medical dramas, not no, so uh, much MD. Yeah. Well, one step at Like a you time. said, mainly like kids, right. Disney. It knows what it is, is and that's, that's good. Yep.
2: And then, what else do we got?
1: uh lastly on disney plus the thing i talked about last week i was gonna watch i did end up watching it and yet for some reason i ended up watching it (laughs) billy eilish is happier than ever there's another thing that was on my to-do list and i did not get to it this week oh cross this off because it's exactly what you think it is Uh uh-huh (laughs) billy eilish in a concert singing Mm -hmm. her album right much of the same vein of Taylor Swift's um, sure. Long Pond Session. Sure. Except, yeah, but. It's not in the style of that album. Yes. It's orchestrated. Right. And weirdly enough, I think that actually helps her case. Okay. Additionally, <laughs> important
0: to note better. here is that I understand there's also some uh, animation happening here. There's some playing around with
1: styles in a way. Yeah, it's an animation. Of her, mm-hmm. or at least avatar her, sure. going around L.A. into different various spots, as it connects each song.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's the same kind of art style as Disney, as What If? Okay, so if you put those back to back. You're like, hey, it's the same art style. A lot of the
0: same same people probably worked yeah, on this. Probably, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: but yeah, it's Billie Eilish without the hard electronic music and stripped down to an orchestrated version i mean which the thing about that
0: record is that it was already kind of halfway there anyways when we mm -hmm. talked about it on the podcast it's got a lot of jazz influence it's got a lot of like a lot of strings it's already kind of leaning that direction yep so it doesn't surprise me at all that she'd be interested in doing an orchestral version of these songs
1: so i think it works better for her Mm -hmm. like tone wise too especially for the album because I won't say maybe pay attention more, but (laughs) I definitely got more listening to it this way than I did uh, just listening to the Straight Album. Right. So it's there if you want it. I
0: still might check it out just to see what it is. Uh, It's kind of a nice like low-impact kind of thing to put on, Mm -hmm. so I might do that at some point.
1: Yeah, it's something to put on while you're doing other stuff.
0: But not mind-blowing. Sounds nice. And the coolest thing about, I'm glad that you mentioned the long pond session, or whatever the hell that was called. I'm assuming something pond sessions. Yeah. Um, the cool, th- coolest thing I thought about that was the parts where they actually talked about the songwriting process. And there's none of that here?
1: Oh, no, there's none of that here.
0: Okay, so that's a little less exciting, but still.
1: Yeah, but it's, it's more of a concert experience, too. Because mm-hmm. she's set up in the Hollywood Bowl.
2: Right, right, so, right
1: since there's no audience, you can just throw the camera anywhere you want there. That's <laughs> more or less what they do. Yeah. yeah. In addition to, like, the shots driving around L.A. Cool. There is some, like, voiceover stuff of, like, why she likes L.A. and doing it. Uh-huh. But not enough to, like, where she's, like, sitting down telling you,
0: though. It's more of a framing device as opposed to an interview. Yep. It is. Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. And Then, lastly. Uh,
1: pen ultimately.
0: Oh, am I missing one? Yes. Oh, you added something late.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm adding this because I watched it, and yet I almost regret watching it. I didn't realize this had debuted already. That's okay. Most people don't realize it debuted already because there's no mention of it anywhere except on the Peacock homepage. Uh-huh. And it's a Peacock exclusive because mm-hmm. you have to sign up to Peacock to watch it. And yet okay. I'm embarrassed to say that I watched it. All right. Yet, here me. I am. Not embarrassed to tell you that I watched it, apparently. Tell me about it. All right. Uh, two to three months ago, we told you on this podcast that there's a new <laughs> game show coming your way, mm-hmm. 80s style. Frogger was becoming its own <laughs> game, game show. Yes. Well, yes, that game
0: where you're the frog dodging cars across the street. Alternatively on plugly pads, dodging gators. Yeah, that frogger. It came to fruition.
1: <laughs> and let me tell you, it's exactly what you think it is. Wipeout. If you saw wipeout, it's exactly <laughs> that. Uh-huh. If you saw the floor is lava,
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: more. It's more like that. Okay. You can't touch the water, you can't slip sure. into it. But you have to like make your way across all the obstacles that are wet. And foamy and water shooting at you, Ooh. and obstacles are in your way.
0: So it's Frogger. Is any of the that, but is it because is any of the iconography from the arcade game being used here? Are there identifiable, like, oh, that's the frog from Frogger, or this is a thing from Frogger, or is the name the only
1: remaining vestige of its link to Frogger? Your lives that they show on screen are the <laughs> okay. Frogger lives. Sure, but. That's it? Uh, there are 8-bit interstitials um, okay. that give you a layout of the map. Like, you're supposed to go here and do this, or you go here and do this. Hmm. So there is Frogger-esque 8-bit elements. Okay. But right. also not enough for it to be called actual Frogger. It's
0: more than I expected. At least they're leaning into the aesthetic. Um. So is it if you like, if you're somebody who likes Wipeout or those adjacent shows enough is this something that's worth your time or are you saying it's not even up to that
1: bar? It's LCD. Yeah. If you can't find anything else to watch and you're trying to figure out something that your 5-year-old can watch with you, <laughs> put Frogger on. Then again, if you're have very fond memories of Frogger and a 5-year-old <laughs> if you have more problems than just sitting there watching Frogger.
2: Sure. That's that's
0: fair.
1: Or you know, maybe like your grandpa and you trying to like connect with your grandkid, like, hey Frogger. <laughs> I played this when I was your age. Yeah, they're not gonna know what Frogger is. No, they're gonna bring out Battletoads. <laughs> that was their Frogger.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's stop talking about Frogger then. Let's wrap up your television thoughts with one last one. Hey, what's happening in this apartment?
1: Uh, impeachment is happening in this apartment. Okay. Unfortunately, I didn't get into that door in time. No. No. Uh, so I walked across the hall and yeah. why the last man was in that apartment. What the... Okay, and you're adding that. stuff again. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll try to tell you about the stuff that I tried to watch, but. Oh, didn't. I see. Okay. So, FX has two new shows that I'll get to next week. Right. Why, The Last Man, and Impeachment. I'll get to those next week, because instead, I said, oh, also, I may or may not get to uh, Nine Perfect Strangers, okay. which is all to Hulu, which, when I put up the trailer on, Doctor was like, eh, eh. maybe. It's kind of like White Lotus, and I don't think I'm ready for an hour-long version of that. <laughs> yeah. So, instead, I put on the trailer for Only Murders in the Apartment. Starring um, Steve Martin, yes. Martin Sheen, and Selena Gomez.
0: Not Martin Sheen, huh? You said Martin Sheen, Martin Short.
1: Martin Short. Yes, yes. Two of the three amigos.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Martin Sheen not in this. No, it'd be weird if he was. It really will be. <laughs> Steve Martin, Martin Martin Short,
1: Martin Sheen. It'd be too confusing. Yes. <laughs> no, you just get two of them. Uh so we walked put the trailer on for this and it caught her attention. Like, okay, it's only half hour, which mm-hmm. I like. It's half hour show or half hour episodes, so it's easy to digest. You can binge watch this when it's mm-hmm. all said and done. Um you know how everyone got really into murder podcasts? Yeah. Well, what if you got really into a murder podcast <laughs> and then a murder happened in your apartment building. So you take it as an opportunity to do a true crime podcast mm-hmm. okay. to solve said murder. Mm. That's the basic premise of this only murders in the apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, Parton, pardon, Steve Martin plays <laughs> a out of work semi-retired actor uh, used to be famous like back in the 90s as a detective of his own show but now just kind of lives off that like residual money
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Martin Short is an aging director and producer who more or less has fallen out of the limelight then there's Selena Gomez mysterious Selena Gomez we don't know why she's uh, has this like Apartment in this really nice apartment, apparently. And they even ask her about it. And she's like, I don't feel like I'm telling you. Hmm. So it adds to the mystery layers yeah. of this. Sure. And that's more or less what it is. It's a comedy mystery wrapped in a true crime podcast esque setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, brought to you by Dan Fogelman, same guy who did This Is Us. Right. So it's well written and the characters are very funny very charming very memorable and it's pretty good i'm enjoying this i think you might enjoy this too
0: yeah christy and i saw it on on whatever service it was on and, yeah and we almost we almost clicked into it once we saw the cast because christy's a huge uh selena gomez fan um so we almost uh, committed to it but um she was thinking about doing that as something she would watch by herself. So I have yet to hear if she actually did follow through and watch any of it. But yeah, I know it sounds it sounds interesting.
1: I like the cast. The cast is very interesting. They all work together on many levels, especially with the age difference. Mm-hmm. It definitely appeals to a lot of people. Even if you're not Selena Gomez fan, at least it brings you into like her side and you're not like, oh, old man trying to solve crimes. Yeah. And the podcast element brings it into the 21st, whatever we're in, uh, century here, where it makes it feel modern. It's not like Murder She Wrote, which it could easily have been. But I guess technically, murder podcasts are the new Murder She Wrote, if you want to make (laughs) that stretch. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, kind
0: of. Maybe they've replaced that for a generation of people. They no longer have to get fictional murders. They can talk about real ones.
1: yep, True unsolved crimes.
0: Yeah, it's only the truest.
1: Yes. Uh So this is a comedy slash mystery, and I enjoyed the pilot episode. I would say definitely check out the pilot episode. It's only a half hour. Mm-hmm. If it's not your cup of tea, it's okay. It's only a half hour. Otherwise, the season ends in two weeks, I believe. Mm. So there's uh, six episodes. I think currently eight. Eight episodes. Um, And it's pretty good. The pilot's pretty good. So yeah, check it out if you're looking for comedy mystery or looking right. for something new on Hulu. Because it's Hulu exclusive. Hulu, Hulu, and more Hulu. That's what I'm gathering. Yep. All right, cool. That sounds good. Anything else in television before we can... Move on. Uh, Yes, we are beginning to come to the end of September, which means new TV will soon be returning. Fall television is right around the corner, which means fall premieres are also right around the corner, and we will have thoughts on that as they premiere
0: As they premiere. And as we mentioned earlier, Emmys are Sunday night. Our television section next week will be dominated by Emmys Talks, so look forward to that. But in the meantime, let's talk about some cancellations and renewals. Why? No, I, don't am I no
1: longer watching?
0: Well, you're still watching First Wives Club on BET Plus, as that has been renewed for a third season. Good Trouble on Freeform is coming back for a fourth. Star Trek Picard. It's a third season on Paramount Plus Gossip Girl, the reboot on HBO Max, is getting a second season as predicted. Big Brother colon, Celebrity Edition will get a third season on CBS. Real Time with Bill Maher will unfortunately never go away because it's extended through 2024.
1: To- four? 2024. That's because Bill Maher basically there? lives in HBO Basement now,
0: yeah, and on HBO <laughs> Narcos colon, Mexico will have its third and last season on Netflix. High School Musical, the musical, the series, will get a third season on Disney+, Plus. so more Olivia Rodrigo. Only Murders in the Building, the show you just started, stopped talking about just a moment ago, gets a second season already on Hulu. The Amber Ruffin Show gets a second season on Peacock. Generation on HBO Max, cancelled after one season, couldn't even last a whole generation. Tis, tis.
1: That's uh, Generation
0: Yes. And then the CW has cancelled The Outpost after four seasons.
1: We now have a few
0: deaths. uh, Some rough ones this week uh, for a lot of people. First up, Ben Best, age 46. A screenwriter worked on Eastbound and Down, as well as an occasional actor. Was in Superbad and Land of the Lost. That's young.
1: Uh, He was friends with uh, Danny McBride. Mm -hmm. uh, Helped one of the creators credited for uh, Eastbound and Down.
0: That makes sense. Next up, from the world of board games, Reuben Klamer, age 99, board game inventor, responsible for the game of life. Member of the Toy Industry Hall of Fame back in 2003, and the Hasbro Inventors Hall of Fame back in 2000. I mean, age 99, but yeah, he gave us one of the most classic board games.
1: Yeah, uh, Technically, not the original creator of Life, but when brought to Hasbro, Mm -hmm. the game you think of as Life now, he's the one who created it. it.
0: Life as it is now.
1: Life as it is.
0: (laughs) But then lastly, the the one that most of my Twitter feed was talking about yesterday, um, Norm MacDonald, age 61. Of course, famous comedian, actor, screenwriter, Probably most famous still for his stint on Saturday Night Live as a weekend update anchor, um, kind of known for his dry delivery, and just like absolutely no care whatsoever what the audience thought about his jokes. He was going to tell them anyways. Yep.
1: There was this uh, vibe to him where Bert you could Reynolds impersonation, right? Reynolds impersonation on the Jeopardy. Celebrity
0: Jeopardy sketches, but yeah, it's just you, there was just a thing about Norm's delivery where you would always tell he was just writing for himself. He was never writing for anyone else. He was just like, I think this is funny. This is what I'm going to do. So known for a lot of like long circuitous joke structure, just like where you don't know where the hell he's going until the end. Um, Yeah, definitely a very influential comedian. I think his um, interpretation of uh, Weekend Update changed what update was from then on. Um, You see a lot of his delivery kind of carry on to the people that followed him um even to this day uh well maybe not to this day but, definitely but <laughs> Seth Myers. definitely you see his style live on through Seth Myers. uh he was a good friend of Seth's uh Seth Myers actually did on his show last night a bit a really good uh bit talking about Norm's life which was which was sad a lot of people are given their tribute to Norm uh so yeah though you don't have it here but um Important to note that this was because of a nine-year fight with cancer he had chosen to keep private.
1: Uh, leukemia. Yes, is a a diagnosis.
0: specifically. Um, so yeah, he chose not to make a big show of it. He didn't tell anyone outside of family. And so yeah, it was only now that we know that he was kind of having this private fight. Uh, which makes sense why we haven't seen a whole lot of him in recent years.
1: Uh, we had seen his, or at least heard his voice on uh, Seth MacFarlane's uh,
0: the oracle right right and then he was also uh he had a uh most like the saddest thing is is I'm like most recently in this show is like four or five years old at this point remember girl boss on netflix yep. he had a supporting role in that as well um so he's been in stuff on and off but uh but yeah definitely a sad one was he a perfect guy no i mean he has a kind of a rough past i mean that's the thing about being a comedian in the 80s and 90s is that You roll back the tape on a lot of that stuff and it probably doesn't age super well. So just a, let's say, just a little bit of a warning if you're digging into the back catalog. um, Not a spotless record. That being said, very influential, very important to a generation of comedy. And yeah, you will definitely be missed.
1: Uh, As they say, you're a comedian's comedian.
0: Right, yes. He was definitely somebody who said, gotten that a lot, where it's like, not everybody's going to be like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with him. But the ones who are, you're going to get a lot of people who are in the business because he was really writing the jokes for other comedians and himself he was never really writing them for the audience
1: right all right let's wait, wait. move on Bright humor
0: yeah exactly just exactly like sure yeah yeah just a regular norm mcdonald here
1: yeah.
0: all right let's move on into
1: the second half of the show toss the football over to you perfect spiral yep. Uh, Take some music. One hand, OBJ style, although Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can say that anymore because he's probably out of the league as of next year. You have Billboard in front of you. Yes, I do. Uh, As we always do, we start with the music with the Billboard, and we start the Billboard with the Hot 100. The Hot Drake, I mean the Hot 100. Nope, it's just Drake. (laughs) It's literally all Drake. Drake is the top five. Yeah, that happened this week. Uh, So yeah, as we noted last week, Drake's new album was dropping. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so Drake is not only in the top five, his album is uh, top 16, except for three slots
2: mm-hmm.
1: Stay, Bad Habits. Mm-hmm. So when Stay is at number six by the kid Laurie, Laurie. And then Bad Habits is at 13, and Good For You is at 15. <laughs> and last week's number one, Butter. <laughs> Yeah, is at 17.
0: The rest is Drake. The
1: rest is literally Drake. And the rest was Drake. And the rest was Drake. (laughs) So, of Drake's 16 tracks an hour and a half long album, which we'll get to, what actually made the top five? Well, to save you time, you'd only need to listen to these five songs to get the whole album. (laughs) Number one, Way Too Sexy by Drake. Featuring Future and Mm -hmm. Young Thug. And yes, that does indeed feature uh, the backtrack of I'm Too Sexy. It sure does. But we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, Number two, Girls Want Girls by Drake. Featuring Lil Baby. Yep, I guess he's still around. Yeah, Lil Baby. At three, Fair Trade by Drake. Featuring Travis Scott. At four, champagne poetry by Drake, and rounding up your top five, Knife Talk by Drake, <laughs> featuring Twenty One Savage and Project Pat. Yep, it's all Drake. It's I all mean, Drake. will stay next week. None, maybe. Hopefully, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe yeah. one.
0: Needless say to say, one. needless to say, we will talk about the album that you all come off of. Certified Lover Boy later in thoughts, but yeah, just uh, sit with these because
1: we will circle back to these songs. Yes. As for your albums chart, your top uh 200, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, Drake cannot cover all five slots. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have five records out this <laughs> week, thank God. But number one is Certified Lover Boy by Drake, which we will talk about. And number two, Donda by Kanye West, which we talked about. Two weeks ago, drops down to number two. And number three, Senjutsu by Iron Maiden. Act four sour by Olivia Rodrigo. And round yet your top five, Planet Herd by Doja Cat.
0: Yeah. No surprises this week. We figured that Drake had this on lock. Uh the only, I guess, minor surprise is how much the drop off is for Donda.
1: Um, but yeah. Uh, as for albums coming out this week, as for new releases, yes. if you're tired of great, uh, we have Carly Pierce with 29, colon, written in stone. Cynthia Erivo with Channel One versus One. Lil Nas X with Montero. Yes, that's Not a big release. by your name, the actual yeah. Montero.
0: The big release of the week, for sure.
1: Yep. Unless you're really into Lindsay Buckingham with <laughs> Lindsay Buckingham.
2: Oh, it's yes, self-titled.
1: That Lindsay Buckingham.
2: Wow.
1: Uh we also have More Mother with Black Encyclopedia of the Air. Thrice with Horizons East. Hmm. And lastly, Melissa Etheridge. Yes. That, that Melissa was... Etheridge with One Way Out. Uh, also for
0: those who uh those who know Uh, The new Illuminati Hotties record in South this week.
1: Hell yes. So. Hell yes. We'll see what happens
2: with that. All righty. Cool. All right. Uh,
0: With that. Do you have, yeah, you have a brief story here. I have quick music uh, news. Before you get into that, real quick, I just want to say the MTV VMAs happened last week. Uh, I did watch them. Oh, yeah, I did watch those too. Quick synopsis, no huge surprises or upsets. Uh, Lil Nas X won for uh, the video for Montero, Call Me By Your Name, Uh, as expected. I think it's a spectacle. Um, The only other thing to note here, I guess, about that was Doja Cat's cats weird outfits. She wore a hat on
1: her head at one point, or a chair on her head for one point. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, yeah, she was a Pokemon. Uh, she danced <laughs> in the middle of uh, halo sure yeah i don't know uh really no no big surprises no big
0: events um it was the vmas
1: um connor mcgregor <laughs>
0: tried to punch out uh oh,
1: machine th- gun kelly
0: that was the news story that came out of that ultimately is that yes for some reason they they were idiots and invited connor mcgregor and of course what
1: did he do he tried to
0: fight someone and well, it Conor was mcgregor
1: wanted a picture machine right. gun kelly said no yeah so connor McCar- mcgregor pulled the don't you know who I am, Kurt? Right. To which Machine Gun Kelly went, do I care who you are?
0: Right, yeah. And
1: fight ensued.
0: I mean, honestly, it's weird to have those two against each other, but but I'm gonna have to take Machine Gun Kelly's side here. <laughs> it's not something I ever thought I would say.
1: I mean, I also like take Machine are. Gun Kelly's side. If only it means <laughs> that I'm standing next to Megan Fox, who looked absolutely naked <laughs> in her dress. <laughs> Yeah, every, I feel like the society as a
0: collective had a moment. Oh yeah, Megan Fox this and weekend. Then, oh yeah,
1: Megan Fox. All right,
0: Megan Fox. Every all those people were, um let's say, a teenage boy when the Transformer movie first came out. The first Transformers all
1: of a sudden had a flashback. They were like Megan Fox. And then they pulled out their <laughs> DVD copy of Jennifer's Body. That's not what I effect- thought you were going to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, they pulled out their, their DVD coffee. Uh-huh, yes. Jennifer's body. Uh-huh, yes. And fast forward to one hour and two minutes into the movie. That's <laughs> very
0: specific. And I'm not going to do that to find out what you're referring to. Let's move on for the sake of us all and talk about your story that you've written, which is the tonal opposite of
1: what we just talked about. <laughs> yes, tonal opposite and news that just dropped as of a half hour ago okay i know this because i just looked this up all right Marilyn manson Mm -hmm. you know the guy who got kicked off of kanye's record yeah well the woman who identifies as his former girlfriend has 20 days to amend her lawsuit because that lawsuit is gonna be dropped
2: Mm
1: -hmm. but now now, Manson is facing three other sexual assault lawsuits, but a judge has dismissed a lawsuit from a woman who accused Marilyn Manson of raping and threatening to kill her. Um, this report comes from TNZ and Pitchfork, or confirmed by Pitchfork. Mm-hmm. So the judge argued that the allegations outlined in the lawsuit, quote, are not sufficient to invoke the delay discovery rule. The woman who said she began dating Manson in 2011 is identified only as Jane Doe and, as I said, has 20 days to amend the lawsuit with additional details. Mm -hmm. Not off the hook. No. He's got three other lawsuits
0: pending. This is... This is yet another classic example of why it's very difficult for women to come out with these stories and why they're kind of pressured out of it in a lot of cases because of stuff like this complicating the matter. This whole delayed discovery thing is a tactic that unfortunately works in keeping these, a lot of these cases from becoming uh, processed through the courts. Um, So it's just unfortunate to see what seems very like legitimate. I mean, if there's three other lawsuits that are not connected that are also alleging sexual assault from manson i don't see why one is like like one would not also be just as important to consider and so yeah i'm hoping that with the additional details they reconsider the case uh because it's mounting so high at this point that the guy guys surely have done something at this point
1: the judge is asking for more concrete evidence to move forward with the delayed mm-hmm. discovery but like you said you have three other women who this yeah. happened to why single out one because yeah it's not it's just
0: unfortunate because it's it's an optics problem because like you it makes it seem like one is less legitimate than the other which is probably not the case right um they're all legit 2011
1: you're trying to go back 10 years to get evidence yeah may or may not exist yeah
0: it sucks it sucks like i said there's so many things that are in place to make it difficult more difficult than it should be to get sexual assault cases on the books. So until then, um, Marilyn Manson's still probably a pretty bad dude. Um, so maybe don't give him your time of day. And we that won't
1: get any more. Let's Good. move on. Let's move on. All right. Real quick. Did you listen to Slay Bells? I listened to all three of these records. All right. Please start with Slay Bells. <laughs> I'm guessing you did not. I did not. But I put did it on here because I figured you did. Did you do your homework? Uh, you've delayed a few two weeks i, now? I, I gotta go to the restroom
0: uh, <sighs> all right well your homework can wait i suppose another week but in the meantime yeah I'll, I'll talk about the sleigh bells record real quick so sleigh bells um they've been kicking for oh about a decade now they had their first breakthrough i want to say in 2011 to um and those first two records are just wild music, if you've never heard them before, Um, especially at the time. It was the band basically fusing together pop music and heavy metal riffs into one cacophonous, noisy party. And it worked. It worked so well that it kind of put them on the map immediately, and they became little cult darlings for a while. After over the years, though, that star has dimmed a little bit. I think the last few records were mixed in their critical acclaim. Um, I think they chose to go in more of the pop direction, which lost a lot of their their fans that were expecting those those more metal sounds. But with this one, it seems like they tried to do a little bit more of that balancing act. Uh, One thing that's immediately apparent though, is that Alexis's vocals moved all the way to the front. Early sleigh bells, it was often very hard to discern the lyrics because they were kind of buried in the mix. No longer the case. It's a very clean production vocally. You're going to know exactly what Alexis's songs are about. Sure, which is not a bad thing. There's a lot of interesting songs here, and uh, there's a lot of personal stories. A more personal touch than I think there was initially when the band debuted. Um, and as for the songs they're writing here, it's a little less... i might have to be a little less positive on it. It's too muddled compared to what was successful when they originally debuted. I really liked that that there was a structure to their songwriting. It seems like a lot of that structure has gone away. A lot of the, the songs here are kind of meandering for me and don't necessarily have a locked down chorus that you can kind of come back to and use as an anchor. Um, there's one... The closing track is the exception. I think that it's it's very... Uh, reminiscent of some of their earlier work. So I don't know. It's kind of your mileage may vary kind of record. Uh, I didn't really love it. I think that it's missing some of the magic that they had a decade ago that maybe they just have lost permanently and may not get back. But it's close. It's close to them kind of getting back to that zone. Uh, But hey, maybe that's just not the kind of music they want to make. I don't know. Don't ask me. But yeah, it's all right. But it was a little want, overshadowed. Do you want them to go back? Uh, you know, I think that they're a different band now. And you know what? I respect that. I don't think, I think that I don't want to fall into that, you know, typical fan response of, oh, if it doesn't sound exactly like the thing I like, then it's wrong. Right. I think it's fair to experiment. I think it's fair to want to branch out and do new things. And they've been doing new things for a decade now. They've really tried to see what kind of different things they can do under the Sleigh Bell's name. And I'm saying, hey all power to it it's just not a record i'm going to choose to come back to and also it was overshadowed as i was going to say by the other things that came on the
1: last two
0: weeks.
1: all right so of the other two which one do you want to talk about first let's get drake over with because i know we want to
0: actually dedicate time to talk about Casey.
1: all right so certified lover boy if you did not yeah. listen to it this week you missed out yeah <laughs> not really it's gonna right. be here forever I mean, his Drake's gonna be here forever. Um, as I mentioned in the Billboard, "Way Too Sexy." That's definitely gonna be your single. That thing's gonna. That thing is a pop. That thing is a jammer. I I. I hate to say that I loved it, but goddamn, that suck was so sexy.
0: And that is, I think, the good opening thing to say about how I feel about this record. I hate to say it, but this is probably the best Drake record since nothing was the same. It's pretty solid, oh, which is not on. what Don't, I expected be like going into on
1: Drake, even though we' love to hate on Drake
0: it's not perfect. I still think take care is better. Mm-hmm. I still think that's his career highlight but there's a lot to like here if you're a fan of Drake. in fact, that top five that you read off, I said we would circle back to him because. That you're right, is the top five of this record. Those are the most memorable songs. The hook into uh, in the too sexy song is the thing that works about that song, it's very memorable because of it. I think the was it something knife, knife fight knife or talk. knife it's talk is interesting because you kind of get you get the savage kind of flow in there, you get kind of hard rapping Drake, which uh, which is not a common Drake these days. Um, and then the the, the like those other songs on that list, like. Are all like, oh yeah, those are the highlights. Those are the ones that, yeah, I rem- when you were reading them off, I was like, oh yeah, that one I remember. Yeah, ask party
1: was the one that popped out for me. Like, right. yeah, that one was a- that one was a banger.
0: Yeah, um, which is important because if you've listened to us talk about the last couple Drake records on this podcast, I don't know if I could name you a single song off either of them. <laughs> and that's where, where that's where I believe that it's that this one is probably going to be up in the upper echelon of the pantheon for him there's solid work here is it long yes of course it is because it's 2021 everything's way too long yes there are probably some songs that could be excised here also with drake it comes with a balance right you're gonna get impressive you're gonna get some impressive rapping technique you're gonna get some interesting singing songs on the pop side of the drake spectrum then you're also gonna get some questionable lyrics about of uh, how he feels about women what he wants to do with women and whether or not he slept with fans and whether or not he refers to himself as a lesbian in one weird weird lyric there's uh, <laughs> also the question of how many he's actually fathered and poppy's home
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah so that's the thing with drake now is i feel like there are two drakes there's the drake that wants you to believe he's the sensitive soul who's like never hurt you and will protect you like, like like you're this child like his actual child who is referenced multiple times on this record and then the Drake who wants to pose that he's the hardest rapper also a major wom- womanizer who doesn't take nothing from no one and I think it's never been so much in stark contrast as in this record this record wants you to believe that those two Drakes are still there and still fighting for ownership of Drake It's like that two wolves inside of you meme, except both of them are Drake. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, but if you're coming to this and um, hoping for the best Drake has sounded in years, hey, you're going to get that. This is the best Drake record in years. I'm not, it doesn't, I don't have to go, uh, there's not hyperbole me saying that. It's views and scorpion just weren't that great they uh they were kind of meandering and boring this i feel like he's found a better balance of things he's found better collaborators i think the guest verses are very good in this also i feel like the the existence of this means that nobody ever has to listen to donda again (laughs) we can collectively forget it ever happened this is the better rap record uh don't be surprised if you see this swing back around in the grammy
1: season Yeah, I mean, like like you said, our views about views (laughs) wasn't all that hot on it. I mean, it was constantly in the top five. I I saw your reaction
0: to me bringing up Scorpion that you probably even forgot that existed.
1: Yes, I did. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: That was the previous Drake record, believe it or not.
1: Yes. Uh, Yeah, just quickly trying to look through the track list of Mm -hmm. views and yeah, nothing. Hotline blink was the one, it, but yeah. that was a single before. It the, the pop out. songs
0: were the singles on those two records. Um, this doesn't really have that problem. It, he didn't have to rely on the pop singles as the crutch this time around.
1: Yep, which he, is key. He went to his rapping ability. He got yeah. people from his label to come up here. Yeah, that's why he I also specifically... at one point talked about people leaving his label and yeah. not giving him the time of day. So yeah, I but think lots about... of beef on this but also yeah it's i don't want to say good beef but he makes it's that beef well done it's interesting beef um especially
0: considering like yeah but but ultimately if you're already like so off of the Drake train just like completely ignoring everything Drake does this will not convince you he is at his drakiest here he is the most drake that he's ever been and so if you cannot stand that you're going to probably hate this um but hey but if you like it and if you as long as you come and expecting Drake to be as Drake is, then there's something that I think that to be found here that I think can be appreciated. So
1: but also if you're going to the clubs, prepare to hear way too sexy way too many times. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's gonna happen.
1: Also you probably should be going out to clubs if you're going out to clubs.
0: Yeah probably don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway. Anyways uh yeah like we will have new singles in the top 100. Yeah. Or, yeah. Next week, especially with Casey Musgraves coming into here.
2: Yeah.
1: And I expect Olivia Rodrigo, good for you to be back up to at least number five. But expect Drake to dominate at least the next month. Yeah. If not longer.
0: All right. Which brings us.
1: All right. So, real quickly, did you watch and did you sign up for? Paramount Plus.
0: We're waiting one more week for the Tony stuff, Um, so not quite yet for us. But I will watch this. But I did listen to the record.
1: I did listen to the record as well. Uh, So, coming off of Golden Hour. Yeah. We loved Golden Hour. We And of course,
0: the question always is, is how do you follow a record that redefined your career?
1: And how do you follow a record all about love when you just went through a divorce? Yes,
0: these are the two pertinent questions when discussing
1: Starcrossed. Yeah, okay, so our hesitation is exactly what you think it is. What I'll say here... Where do you
0: begin? I think it's very good, is what I will say. I don't want it to sound like I'm going to start Trashing it. I think she took the template that she started with, with Golden Hour, and continued working on that canvas. Starcross sounds like the result of somebody who made Golden Hour reassessing where they are now in their life. They do feel like of a part with each other. They do not, it does not feel like she tossed that whole, you know palette out the window and grab new colors no this is she's working in the same frame of mind at least creatively so there's a lot of share sharing of sounds of of instruments of vibes that you saw in golden hour but you're right because she went through this divorce the theme is different Golden Hour. One of the reasons why Golden Hour worked and felt so timeless was because it was a song about being in love, being in growing love, being in a love that seemed infinite and almost like beyond nature. And that's what was so cool about a lot of the songs in Golden Hour is they felt like that. They felt like Casey was like just telling you how great their life, (laughs) her life was in that moment, how great love feels with this person. In all the may, may, many facets, of course, there they, are, they aren't there. are all positive songs. There, I mean, of course, space cowboy comes to mind, and high horse comes to mind. There were like little hints at, okay, she's she has at least something to say about when love goes wrong and when there's heartbreak. But this one's just all about that. This uh, star cross takes that baton and runs with it. It's almost like. Starcross. I was actually making a joke with with friend of the show Christy about this. It was like Starcross is as if the character who fell in love in Golden Hour with the after, uh, or fell in love with the guy from High Horse and then ended up marrying him instead of the guy that he she should have made up <laughs> made with. And so then and then wrote Starcross because it definitely comes from a more like not necessarily a bitter place but an experienced place, a learned place. A lot of the songs on this record are about like, hey, I was in this relationship and maybe it wasn't that great, but here's how I feel about it. Or I'm on the other side of this breakup now, how do I feel about it? Or man, the struggle of being this person for somebody else is sometimes harder than I imagined. And it's an interesting point of view, but I think the result is, it's just thematically so different that you're not going to reach the highs of Golden Hour as much as you try because of how singular that vision was for that record. So I think overall how I feel about Starcross, I think it's very good. I think it's close. But I think Golden Hour is one of those things that's only going to come to you once. It's going to be lightning in a bottle and it's going to be impossible to follow. And we can't necessarily fault Casey for being
1: unable to follow it. This is also Casey Musgraves going into that singer-songwriter pop, pop direction. Yeah, yeah, Gone yeah. forever, I feel, is that country vibe. If you want country uh, heartbreak, I w- go. T- if you want strong country sure, heartbreak, go sure. to John Party Heartbreak Vacation. Yeah.
0: I will push back on that a little bit because I feel like, yes, for the most part, Golden Hour is already that record, though. I mean, you had it like, you had a little of that breakthrough on songs like... Um, On songs like Butterflies and and songs like um, Mm -hmm. High Horse, obviously. Um, But but so much of that record already was her breaking out of that country mold. This continues that. But you're right, beyond Justified, I can't really think of many that would even stand a chance on country radio. You're right. This is her almost in a Taylor Swiftian manner, completely just being like, that's not who I am anymore. I make my own kind of music. Which is fine. So yeah, like I think the poppiest moment is Breadwinner. Uh, I think like it's kind of at least sound-wise, it sounds like a sequel to High Horse. It's very similar in vibe. It's but I think mostly there's, the, 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 there's so much of this that's a little bit more p- evenly paced and slower. That I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say that she's really leaning into the pop here. But you're right, she is offend- effectively has left country at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny you bring up breadwinner because i feel that's the song i feel most attacked me yeah (laughs) sure Uh Uh uh-huh i'm a married man (laughs) yeah Uh uh-huh that's the point yeah
2: um
1: Um, although yeah that's the point job well done right congratulations yeah i think Uh,
0: i think the highlights here for me were i think uh justified which didn't hit me as a single but works really well in context of the record mm -hmm. Um and simple things and breadwinner I think are my three.
1: Uh, good wife Add that list to me. It's
0: good. It's good. Solid. But yeah, I think that's the toughest thing to, to talk about with this record is that I think it's going to forever be compared to Golden Hour. Which you have to because yeah. it's
1: Casey Musgraves,
0: and they are of a piece sound wise. But I think that it's almost unfair because I feel like the Star Cross comes out without the huge, enormous praise of Golden Hour, I think it would be a bigger deal than it is. I think it's going to go under the radar, at least compared, because it's not as big an event anymore. Like, we know to expect this kind of level of quality from her now, and so it feels like diminishing returns, almost. Um, But, hey, maybe it's a grower, maybe this maybe later this year when we let it sit with us more. Maybe we will come around to talking in the same kind of language that we used for Golden Hour. But I just can't imagine it. I think it just goes to show how singular that was as a moment and a vision, and that this is just, for many reasons, just never going to live up to that expectation. Which is fine. Nor should it have to.
1: Nor should any album have to. I mean, unless you're Billy Eilish and you're. Given Grammy after Grammy, just so they can double down
0: on yeah. him. Yeah. And so I think that she's so, yeah, it's interesting that you brought up Grammy is because I think this does put her in a Grammy's conversation, but I don't know if it puts her as a front runner anymore, like we maybe thought that it would have. I think it's going to be a much more l- contentious con- year this year, and she I mean, might not be able to Drake, make who just it through. came
1: out with his album, Certified Lover So we'll see once the Grammys come around. I'm not sure where they'll land with it. But for us, it's mixed bag. grab bag. I mean, it's better than that. I mean, I like um, it. I'm going to listen to it more of it. It may appear as a top five at the end of the year. It won't be number one, probably. (laughs) But still, may end up in top five.
0: Yeah, right now, I think it's hovering in my top ten, but I'm not taking the five yet. I think that I, it's too tough of a. I
2: mean,
1: yeah, you're right. It's too early to call, but I mean, this <laughs> is one of the albums that we were looking forward to this year, so. We'll see where we land come end of the year. Yeah. All, All right. right. Uh, moving on. Well, then let's move on to video games. And we start video games with new releases. And we start with uh, the. Um, wait, no, hold on. This is not the list that I want. Here goes the list that I want. We have Origami 2 for the PS5, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Ninokuni 2, colon, Revenant Kingdom, Dash Princess Edition for the Nintendo Switch, Tales of Iron for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, Switch, PC. You got it. You can play it. Tales of Iron. Uh, There's also Eastward for the PC and Nintendo Switch. I Am Fish for the Mm -hmm. Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and PC. Skatebird (laughs) for the PC, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Hell yeah, Skatebird. That's not Tony Hawk. (laughs) No. That's an actual Skatebird. Bird skating. And lastly, Story of Season Pioneers of Olive Town for the PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's your new releases. Uh, I guess if you want to count yeah. Death Loop, which came out yesterday, but right. we talked about that yeah. last week. Yeah. All right. Um, as for right. video game news, quote, news, 2Bits, <laughs> um, um, they are both system updates. First one being PlayStation gets new update today. New audio enhancements, new PS4 to PS5 playing, uh, and new customized UI interface for the PS5.
2: Yeah.
1: Hell yeah. Let me customize this. It's also
0: the thing that will allow you to install your SSDs.
1: Yeah, that too. Um, uh, You can install larger SSDs now there's a certain list of compatible SSDs as well as, if you open up, compatible heat shrinks as well. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Check that out at the PlayStation blog for all the new PS5 updates. But they weren't the only ones because Nintendo Switch also got an update yesterday and they got the thing that everyone wanted, or at least partially (laughs) everybody wanted. I mean, I know I wanted it. Your Nintendo Switch can now you can now use your headphones, Bluetooth style. Mm -hmm. Note that this is not on new Nintendo Switches. This is on all Nintendo Switches. Right. Meaning that they have Bluetooth the entire time. They just (laughs) didn't want you to have it until now. (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to install anything, you just have to download the firmware update for your Nintendo Switch and you can can pair your Bluetooth headset, because I did that, and wow, I know I play games on mute, but some of that music's pretty nice. (laughs) All right. And that brings us to video game thoughts. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did not get to play Anything here? I mean, I did play a bit more Odd World. Um, still more puzzles. Still, I have, I'm kicking myself trying to not be the get perfect on everything. So, I have lots of games to play. Uh, but there's a game I may be playing and maybe streaming coming this Friday, mm-hmm. possibly. It's also a game that you have been currently playing. So tell me, what do I have to look forward to in Madden 22?
0: Hey, Will, I'm hoping that my internet stability will be stable enough for me to be able to tell you. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's kind of crapping out on this side. You've been coming in in blips. Um, so I'll be brief on Madden because uh, I didn't actually play a whole lot of it. I basically started it up, I played the little tutorial game, and created my player, which I made an absolute travesty that I'll have to show you sometime. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it starts with, like, all Madden games start now, which is a replay of the uh, last year's, uh, or the previous Super Bowl, so I got to... um, rematch tom brady against patrick mahomes um you are placed automatically as tom brady unfortunately which sucks i know that's what i said um so yeah um it plays like madden i don't want to shock you on ps5 it does give you um different uh, uh an option between um uh Uh, performance mode and image quality mode. I went with performance, so it would run at 60. So it's a really fast and smooth running Madden experience. So if you're looking for that next gen definition to be that, then absolutely this game will give you this. I did not try image quality mode, so maybe I'll have to jump back into it and see how good it can look. Um, But yeah, it's Madden they didn't do a whole lot from last year. A lot of the louder graphical choices have been toned down a bit this year, Um, so people who weren't a fan of the big colorful stuff uh, will probably be a little happier to see the little muted color palette this year. Um, Another thing I noticed, though, is that um, one of the newest things that they added this year is a a little bit of a layer of strategy to it uh, where they basically say like, hey, give us an idea about the kind of game plan you want to run. And then depending on what you choose, certain plays will be powered up, will be better than they would otherwise. For example, at the beginning of your offensive drive, they basically say, hey, do you want to do focus on long passes, short passes, running plays? What do you want to do? And depending on what you select, your plays will be highlighted around like with the color around them if they're super powered by what you chose. So that way you can really fine tune. and be like I'm going to focus on the short pass because they have a weakness I can exploit if I really go hard on it. Same thing for defensive plays too. You can also be like well and this can be changed at halftime so that way say if the first half you're getting obliterated by the run you can't defend it you can then Tune your offense or defense that way for the second half and be like, okay, I learned that they really love running the ball at the middle. I have, I'm i going to run these plays that are super powered now. So it's just another level of strategy for people to kind of get a little bit in the head of a coach and be like, I'm going to now direct this game more in the way that I, I want to. Instead of it just being like, I don't know, here's a billion plays, choose them. I think it's potentially a really good way to get newbies like me and people who aren't you know, football encyclopedias, a little easier to understand what plays do what. Um, so that's neat. That's probably the biggest new feature. Otherwise, it's pretty similar to last year. Um, same same modes, face of the franchise is still there. No story again this year. They did not bother with it. So yeah, it, it's pretty much in line with what 21 did with a little bit toned down graphic style. And... Um, and yeah, in and this neat new strategic layer.
1: All right. Now I am on an every other year Madden, and this should be <laughs> the year. Yeah. Um well
0: I got a PS5. Uh, I got a PS5 disc. I might as well just hand it off to you so you can train uh, uh try it for a few days and see see whether you want to commit to it. That's what okay. I recommend.
1: Yeah, I mean I already I mean I'm in the get it because of the uh, the athlete covers. Yeah. And Tom Brady and Patrick Holmes were just on it.
0: Right, right. So,
1: not really quite looking forward to it. I may commit next year to a disc, but I'll definitely be checking it out. Yeah. I think this past weekend uh, was the week one. Yeah.
0: But with sports games, I I'm almost to the point where like I would wait until next year, especially with PS5, because next year will be the full like next gen upgrade. This year we're still on the, like on the teetering edge of next gen, and so you can definitely tell this is just a PS4 game that's been given a few upgrades here and there. Next year we're we're gonna see a whole the whole new generation of sports games to actually take advantage of next gen, right? Next-gen. Especially so,
1: when they do a P- uh, PC version of it with the new. Uh, graphics yeah. cards that just came out.
0: Right. So, so yeah. Maybe wait until next year, but at least give it a spin. See if see if there's anything uh, to your liking in there. All
1: right. Okay. Uh, but you also played a mobile game, which you kind of hinted at last week. And I think you wanted me to sure do. and download and play it. Uh-huh. Okay. I wish
0: I had more time, because we need to wrap this show up and my internet is going to implode on itself. So maybe I'll punt the big conversation until next week when I figure out what's going on. So I'll give you the small version of it because I'm sure I'll be playing more of this next week. The small version is, "Hey, do you like pinball?" Yeah, pinball wizard. "Do you like do you like mobile gotcha games?"
1: Uh, eh, not quite.
0: <laughs> you sure play a lot of them for some sure years. <laughs> Well, imagine if those two things were combined.
1: Also, if it had RPG elements, too. So, yeah, that's World
0: Flipper. Um, my role short take is I had a lot of technical issues with it when it first came out and wasn't able to play it beyond the first level for two days. But after two days worth of talking to um, uh, customer service, It finally started working, and I fell deeply into a hole with this thing. It's extremely addictive. It's exactly what you think it is. Not a whole lot of pinball mechanics. It doesn't require like a pinball wizard, as you said, to be good at it. It's a very simplified version of pinball mechanics. You only kind of have to aim. It's very telling that the game introduces the auto setting very early on, so that way you can just not even play the pinball at all if you don't want to that being said, I think there's enough strategy in there to make it interesting. In fact, I think it's the most interesting gacha combat I've ever played, compared to shit like Pokemon Masters, which is completely brainless sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually enjoy playing the game part of World Flipper. And then everything else of it is just stellar. Like, production value is really high. The writing is actually pretty smart. The characters are all really interesting. Even the ones you pull for, even the gacha characters, have neat backstories Little story like that you can read as you uh, level them up. And there's incentive to level everybody up, which is not always the case in these games. Even three stars might have an interesting story that you want to see what happens. And so it'll actually make you want to play with them and activate more of their abilities because you want to know more about them. It's basically just like a whole squad of weirdos. You gather like so many of the weirdest characters. There's like a maid with a gun, there's a clown. There's a knight in shining armor who falls asleep, and like at any moment, um, there's a kid riding on the back of a giant penguin. It's the weirdest bunch of dudes, but it all somehow works in a weird world-hopping meta-universe way. And the game sells it. The game makes it actually like work and feel like of a whole. There's some really interesting stuff happening in this thing. It's thematically interesting. It, uh, like the story it's telling, the overarching story is interesting, as well as the compartmentalized character stories and the stories of the worlds that you visit. It's really impressive for a free-to-play gotcha game, I have to admit. Now, it is a gotcha game, so of course I'm going to say the same thing I did about Genshin Impact last year. It's pretty predatory. It wants you to spend money on it, and if you're the kind of person who falls down that trap, maybe avoid it because it's going to pressure you into spending money. That's its business model. Um, on the flip side, it's maybe less harsh than Genshin Impact. I feel like Genshin Impact, you hit a wall way faster than you do here. In World Slipper, I've only recently hit a wall, and this is after days of playing it. Like all solid first week of playing it. So, not as harsh as it probably could have been.
1: Um, okay. um, so, so I yeah. downloaded and played it for like an hour before we started here, yeah. We got through the first world, very anime esque, uh, very sprite based. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll get more into it. I like what i played so far,
2: yeah. Very it's pretty good. very
1: flashy. Uh, um, yes, especially the attacking phase and swiping. The mechanics are very mm-hmm. supposed to be, be one hand based, so you can do other stuff. Yes, with it. yes, uh, it's. Very simple, and I like the simplicity. I like the 8 characters. Mm. Kind of meh on the story, but it gets better. The characters are very fun to interact with.
0: Yeah, I think that's the heart of this game. Just like Genshin, for a lot of people has become, it feels like you get invested in these characters. You want to know about these characters in a way that that's kind of rare for these kind of games. And so, yeah, I think uh, that's keeping me going in a way that most of these have not. So, like I said, I'll report back as I continue. Um, I finally passed a very hard boss today, so I'm going to finally move forward in the story, which is wrapping up pretty quickly here. I think I'm coming on this last level, uh, the last world of the the six or so worlds. So I don't know what happens after that. Yeah, I don't know. And... The game's been out in Japan for two years at this point, so we already know kind of more or less what the roadmap is from here on. They just need to introduce it to other territories. So uh, it'll be neat to see kind of where this game goes, because I'm fully on board. This is the first time one of these things has actually got me, and I'm going to stick with it. So,
1: okay. And real briefly, since you did bring up Genshin Impact, if you download the new update, Aloy is now available.
0: Yes, but you still have to roll for her, unfortunately. You don't just get her. You have to pull
1: her. I think if you play on the PS5 you get her? No, that's roll No, she has a special ability that is only on the
0: PlayStation.
1: That's what it was. But
0: she has to be pulled no matter what platform you're you're, you're on. She has to be uh, basically gotten from random chance. Which is why I'm like as much as I'd like to try her out it's not worth getting back into Genshin Impact to do that for me. So
1: all right uh with yeah. that that wraps us up here and yeah Think long so? ass episode lots of yeah but... i'm gonna have fun naming this this episode yeah <laughs> right. have fun with that so if you want to see he- or oh, you want to plug away yeah i'll go for it so thanks for joining us for this issue if issue Wow,
0: jesus Uh, This episode of the Media Boat Podcast will be back next week for a proper episode, just like we used to do them, just how Mama made them um, in video and audio form. If you want to see the video form of the podcast, you can go to youtube.com and search for Media Boat Podcast and find our page. You can like, subscribe, and comment, as well as follow us for notifications when we go live. You can also see us or hear us in audio form on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, um, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you want to go for your podcast, we're there. Just search Media Boat Podcast. You can find us on social media channels like Twitter at, at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast to find our page. You can also find us on twitch.tv slash Media Boat. Every once in a while, we're streaming some video games for you. We'll hopefully have more news about that in the coming weeks. And then, yeah, if you want to uh, email us questions, comments, anything about the show, you can do so, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week for another episode with all sorts of more thoughts, news, any wrap-up, everything uh, that we talked about today, more Madden probably, maybe even some death loop.
1: We'll see. Maybe. Um, maybe. So we'll talk about all that and more next week. Yep, we'll be back next. Yep, next week with a lot more stuff. Yes. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye.